Hello, my friend, and welcome again to the Deeper Daily Podcast. I'm Paul White. It's the 18th day of October, and we are continuing with the Apostles' Creed. Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. I want to concentrate today on crucified, dead, and buried, but I also want to throw in the word suffered because that line suffered under Pontius Pilate was crucified, dead, and buried. Suffered should go with crucifixion, death, and burial. It's all part of the passion. It's all part of the sacrifice or the death of Jesus. We dealt with Pontius Pilate a couple of days ago. We dealt with was crucified yesterday, really concentrating on the scandal of the cross. Today, let's look at the entire thing, suffered, crucified, dead, and buried. And I want to look at it through the lens of why the creed needed to enunciate all of these. It would seem that it could have just said that he suffered and died, or suffered wouldn't even be necessary. Maybe just he was killed, he was crucified. But we get it all. We get suffered and crucified and dead and buried. And these speak to individual things for a reason. And that reason, quite simply, is because there was a number of doctrines that were denying the reality of Jesus as an actual person. They didn't think that the body that he had was a real body. They thought that he was an appearance. They thought that his body was unreal in a way in which ours is real, his was unreal. And this whole sect were called uh, docetists. Docetists from a Greek word meaning to appear or to seem. And docetists were so popular that by the second century, they were being rebutted by the major writers of the age. A couple of days ago, I read for you a quote from the second century bishop of Antioch, Ignatius, who wrote about the time of Pontius Pilate, or at least I, I don't know if I read from him, but I, I quoted him generally that he said, you know, he was the one that wrote the seven letters to churches and said, preach the, the death, burial, resurrection, that Jesus died, was buried and resurrected in the time of Pilate. And I told you he was doing that as a timing verse. Well, let me read you word for word some Ignatius from the second century. And he's talking about Uh, The docetists, those who are, and this seems like such a small claim to us, but think about it through their context and their time. Those who were gaining large followings, teaching that Jesus was not actually real, that he was just a spirit. And they thought, I think they thought, that that was giving some form of divinity to Jesus that made him different than us uh, while taking away his humanity. Ignatius said this, stop your ears. If someone comes to speak to you against Jesus Christ, who is descended from the line of David and is the son of Mary, who was truly born and truly ate and drank, who was truly persecuted under Pontius Pilate, was truly crucified and died in view of all who inhabit heaven, earth, and under the earth, who also truly rose again. Did you catch a word in there? That gets repeated over and over again. Truly born, truly ate and drank, truly persecuted, truly crucified, truly rose again. He does this because the anti-truly was becoming a popular message of the day. That that 
it didn't happen the way you guys think it happened. It, Jesus wasn't really real the way you and I are really real. Let me add to that just a little bit. Ignatius then said this in another place, For the Lord suffered all these things for us and for our salvation, and he truly suffered it, just as he truly rose himself from the dead, and not, as some unbelievers claim, that he only appeared to suffer. They are the ones who are mere appearance, and just as they think, so will it happen to them, that they will remain incorporeal and demonic beings. He might have pushed it a little bit. There's definitely some tongue-in-cheek, but I think you get the point. That is also why you can't give much credence to these other quote-unquote gospels. And I know that there are good things to be found in some of the extra gospels. But there's all kinds of them out there. The gospel of Judas is out there. The gospel of James is out there. The gospel of Thomas is out there. Well, what caused the early church to reject these? Not because they just didn't like them or because they thought they contained um, contradictions, but because the underlying principle in those gospels is how much Jesus was not fully human and how much his physical body was not bound by the demands of physical bodies. Um, For instance, the nativity story of the Gospel of James has Jesus not really born. It doesn't let you see his birth as Joseph goes and looks for a midwife because Mary's going into labor and he hides her in a cave. And when Joseph comes back with the midwife, he's blinded by a, a, a bright light, There's a cloud in front of his face, and then when the cloud disappears, he goes into the cave, and there's Jesus laying on his mother's breast. Not really birthed, just here. Um, Another gospel had Jesus not actually going to the cross, that when when Simon is told to share, pick up the cross of Jesus and carry it the rest away for him, There's a gospel version in which Jesus then slinks into the crowd. Simon goes all the way up the hill and Simon dies on the cross and the soldiers don't know the difference. He's like supernaturally hidden from them as to who's who. And Jesus sneaks away in the crowd, not not really dying. Um, Some of the gospels have Jesus not eating because his body gets nourished with heavenly food. Um, all this stuff. And that's why a lot of those gospels were rejected in turn by those who assembled the canon because they tried to remove the divinity of Jesus and they, or the humanity of Jesus rather. And out of this sprang all kinds of cults in the first couple of centuries. And yet another reason why the creed was necessary, but it's also another reason why the creed stresses suffering, dead, buried, Crucified because this was to counteract a lot of the stuff that was going on. So it's not really trying again to give you the entire Christian doctrine, but it's it's trying to combat some of those other things. So let me close with text today, because as I was thinking about this segment, I thought, what scripture works for me? And this was this one came to my heart immediately. I want to read for you the first four verses of First John one. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father 
and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that also may have fellowship. You may also have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Listen to verse 4, and I want to I stop here, and I'll be back tomorrow, and we'll comment some more on the creed. This is your verse to relax with today. And these things we write to you, that our joy may be full. God bless. <laughs>